0: Hey, sis, it's a weekly shakedown of the binary walls around us.
1: Breaking it out and building a bridge.
0: Checking our biases with empathy and humility and questioning the status quo. It's
1: about building allyship that is intentional and confident.
2: Policies on paper mean absolutely nothing. I hear all the time um, from other school boards or things when I'm speaking, oh, like, look at our policy, and I'm like, that's great. What does it say and what does it mean? How have you actually enforce it? Because policies aren't worth the paper they're printed on if they aren't actually enforced.
0: So in today's podcast, we are going to be joined by Barry Bedford, who is with PFLAG, Durham, and York Region in Ontario. Barry is a longtime advocate for the 2SLGBTQ plus community, and Barry is also a principal of an elementary school. Welcome to the podcast, Barry.
1: So, yeah, so I guess one of my first questions is, um, how important is the role of the school board and or teachers in educating students about the LGBTQ plus community and its issues?
2: Oh, it's the primary role. I mean, in many cases, uh, schools um, have the children more than families do. And many times I think if, if schools can't be a safe, welcoming space, then how are we expecting kids to learn? I think it's absolutely ludicrous that, you know, many school boards don't even include LGBTQ in system or school plans. It seems as though people are always trying to um, group it together with bullying or something like some of the absolutely horrific things that kids go through. um, It's not bullying. It's torture. I mean, when you look at what happened to that um, to that individual in B.C., I mean, that that's not bullying. People stood around and watched them be beaten. I mean, like, that's not bullying. I mean, it's, and, and if it only happens once, big deal. If you want to use the definition of bullying it has to be ongoing and intentional, it can be a one, it's a one-time thing. I mean, still, I think in this day of the LGBTQ population, like, like, we're the lowest rung of, of, of the thing. The worst thing anybody can be regarding of how you identify, um, is gay, is the term gay. That's so gay. And it it's absolutely abysmal. And I mean, I look at things like coming up like pink shirt day. I mean, it's origins were in the mayor times it's origins were homophobic, but now my board included, they put out things saying, Oh, it's around bullying and let's discuss character education. And that's, no, that's not. We're not going to change anything if you don't actually say homophobia, transphobia, biphobia. That's what it is. It's not bullying. It's intentionally targeting people based on their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And if we don't say it, we're hypocrites at best.
1: Yeah. I think you said it very perfectly. And I, and I genuinely, I, I didn't like, I, of course, I know about the pink shirt day and everything. Um, but yeah, like, cause so many, especially educators kind of, rephrase it and don't use it as kind of like a lgbtq like awareness day because that as you exactly just said that's what it the core of it what it was about um it's just kind of like an over-encompassing bullying anti-bullying day kind of
2: thing and when school boards do mark days that are somewhat you know focused on the 2s lgbtq community it's typically trans day of awareness very important um international day against homophobia very important but they almost mark them down as celebrations. And what we're actually looking at, we're marking days about how many of us take our own lives.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's a day of morning.
2: It absolutely is. But, you know, it, it's it's just ridiculous the way schools will do. Okay, everyone dress rainbow colors. Hey, everybody. Like, seriously? Mm-hmm. Like, do you do that when your grandmother, you know, takes her own? <laughs> I don't think <laughs> yeah. you do. Yeah. I mean, but it's the same, but they, they don't. Do it, and I mean, and then there's so many school boards give families permissions to withdraw families from marking those days. You know, I know of school boards that actually send home letters saying, you know tomorrow we're marking this um, you know so if you're if you're uncomfortable, you know your child can sit in the library and do this but we certainly don't send those letters home. And I'm not comparing. I'm, I, I am, but I'm not. It's a different experience when you look at being racialized. I'm a middle-aged white dude, so I don't really have the right to speak to it, but we don't send home letters when we are marking Black History Month. We don't send home letters when we talk about slavery. but Horrific, horrific times, and honestly, you know, that, that, that racialized individuals are still going through absolute hell. But parents don't get permission for that but if it has to do with gay or trans so many school boards give families the option of signing out of talking about something that is ultimately protected under the human rights code mhm i yeah. don't
1: understand yeah no you're you're making a lot of really good comments uh as a like a trans person myself like thinking back i'm like yeah no like it like i remember getting letters home being like tomorrow is um one of the other big ones is like the day of silence and a lot of people were able to just like not attend or not be involved in it whatsoever. And of course it makes sense if you're a part of the community and you're like, this is just a really vulnerable discussion to have. But there's a lot of folks who most certainly were not, and most certainly were perpetrators of those, that sort of, you know, it's discrimination well, and violence
2: how many kids were actually consequenced when they said, I'm not taking part in this conversation today, or I'm not responding to you today because of this. And then it was considered insubordination by some cisgendered straight teacher who was like, nope, math is more important than your yeah. identity or your lived experience. And yeah. nine times out of 10, the principal took the side of the teacher. And I can say I'm a principal. I can say that it's, it changes the nature of, and I'm not, this, that, this is coming out really self-aggrandizing and I don't mean it that way. But it's amazing how when you're openly gay as a principal, I don't get that. I've written do- I've written ministry documents, uh, you know, videos, TV shows, all that kind of stuff. So if you type in Barry Bedford, please don't. But if you type in Barry Bedford in Google, a lot of stuff comes up. And not all of it's very nice from straight people. That absolutely. You know, think that I'm trying to make everybody gay. And, you know, the more people I get, I'll get a toaster oven or something like that. But it's when you're openly gay as a principal, I don't get from the community. Because they know they can't come in and say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to send my kids because gays are icky because they know they're talking to one. When they walk into my office, I've had families come in and go, oh, like I have pictures of my husband and child up in my office and that kind of stuff. And it's amazing how it is so heterosexist that just even when you're openly gay, they come in, but they can't, they can't wrap their mind around it because they'll look and they'll go, oh, is that, is that your brother? And I'm like, okay no, no, that would not be my brother. That's my husband. And then they're all like, oh, 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 oh. But I mean, we have the pride flag up 12 months a year at my school. We have the trans flag up 12 months a year at my school. We were the first school in the board I'm in to raise the trans flag for the week prior to Trans Day of Remembrance. So we've done that for the last three years in a row since I've been here. Um, and it's things like that where the community wants. I think that there's people that are uncomfortable, and I know they talk about it out in the community, but I think that's where I wish that we would have more educators if they feel safe, because it's not always safe. If they feel safe to come out, they would. Because, yeah, you get some pushback. But I realize when you're the principal, there's not many people that can really push at me. Um, I've had people call the board or that kind of thing. But I just think it's so important if we can have role models out there that are doing it because they can't fight you when they are. Like, But we, we just need to get to a point where people, if you're going into education um, and kind like of stuff that I mean, I'm certainly not telling you to be out or anything like that, or to have to divulge. Cause I think, I think, and again, I have no business saying this, but I think the, the trans experience is very different than the gay experience. I'm, I can pretend to be straight. I don't do it that well, but I could, if I had to wear an ugly blue suit to work or whatever. And, uh, but you know, trans to actually talk about, cause you open yourself up to so many other questions that I don't get. So, I mean, I think it's all a safety kind of thing and pushback. And as a first-year teacher, what do you get is me when I'm two years from retirement. You know, it's all those kinds of things. And uh there's just so much that we could do as educators to change it. But the system fights us every step of the way.
1: And uh kind of on that point there, what would you say – I I can't say list everything because we'd be here all night, but like maybe list kind of like the top five things that come to mind would be most important for educators to do for like queer LGBTQ plus
2: students. Be open, number one. Um, If you can be, if you are part of the 2SLGBTQ or like a true ally, not just somebody who puts up a safe space poster on their window, but never mentions anything, because honestly, that is one of the worst things, in my opinion, because you set us up when I walk into an agency and I see say that we're a safe space for LGBTQ. And then I, I do, or say something about my husband or whatever. And the person behind the desk goes, Oh, I'm sorry. Whatever. Why are you appalling? Now it's like, now I'm just pissed off. So like you told me this was a safe space, but it wasn't. So I I think the most important thing is to, um, to us, we need to, if it's safe for us to do, and if we have a support network and things like that, that, um, be open and be out because, I could speak for myself, like growing up being in high school and being in like school in the seventies and eighties. I know some of my teachers or men must have been gay, but I certainly don't know of any. I mean, there was the whispers, you know, that, you know, he lives with another man or that woman phys ed teacher is really kinda of strong. You know, there'd be those little insinuations about all of the, you know, the the binary stereotypes, but I knew nobody, so I didn't know it was I guess I didn't know this was ever an option for me. Like, this isn't what gay people did. So I think that's so important, to being open. I think something else is to um, talk about it in class. Like, you know, like, we study famous artists, musicians, and that. And we'll talk about things, but we won't say about the fact that she's lesbian or that, you know, he's he's gay or they're trans or anything like that. So kids never see it. So if all we see is what's on the media... It's oftentimes, there's some good media, I think, that that is representative. But, like, in my time, Will and Grace and that kind of stuff, that was so fake. That was so, like, not real. I think it was the sixth season before Will even kissed a man on, on you know, on screen. It's just so ridiculous. And um, include it in your curriculum. Um, say the words lesbian. Say the words trans. Say the words like gay. All those kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be always so... Not that those words are politically incorrect, but we always talk about, you know, all families or things like that. And within education, be cognizant of some dates that really single people out. I think of like, like for us, so my husband, there's no uterus in our relationship. So Mother's Day doesn't really work for my son. He And if you mention Mother's Day with my son, it's a traumatic thing for him because he remembers aspects of his mom and they're not all good. So if you when he was young, you know, when we would mention it to teachers, oftentimes they would get kind of a back and go, oh, so you're telling us not to mark Mother's Day. And I'm like, I'm, I'm aware I'm speaking English and you're speaking English. I never said that. I just said that you're going to have to mark that in a different way with my son. He doesn't have a mother. So there was things like that. Father's Day for for I mean, if it's the gender binary and they both identify as female relationships. Or even even what parents it was a learning curve for me as a parent, too, because I never thought I'm daddy. Oh, my husband, Doug, is dad. So that's how our, our son marks us. But I never thought that I need to tell the school that because when our son was in kindergarten and he got hurt, I didn't believe he was hurt. I thought the little dude was like, you know, saying I'm like, OK, well, tell him if I come and get him. And this is all made up. I don't know. I took some privilege away, right? That's what I told the teacher. And then I heard the teacher, you know, behind telling him that. And she's like, nope, he wants to pick you up. So I heard her saying dad's coming and all that. And I didn't think to say it's not dad. It's daddy Well, I showed up and Jaden had a meltdown at the teacher saying that she lied. That's not dad. You said dad was coming because, you know, my partner so much. More giving father. I'll just say that, you know, like, so when Jaden thought dad's coming, yay, that means to stop at Dairy Queen on the way home and blah, blah, blah. Then I showed up and and I was like, oh, I got to wear that one because the teacher looked and like, who are you and what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm daddy. So that so. Yeah. had to show some ID and things at that point. But <laughs> it was and fair enough. Fair enough. But I mean, there's there's curves that way. You know, be cognizant of forms and things like that, because to this day, it's 2021. You know, I still get home forms, you know, that say mother, father. I'm like, why are we still doing that? And that's not even necessarily an LGBTQ thing. That's like when we look about how many kids just don't have dual parents who may live with grandfathers, who may live as foster parents, who may live somewhere else. Just put, you know. You know, the guardian one, guardian two, if you want to put mother, father after that or whatever we are, by all means. But why are we constantly re-traumatizing families that don't fit into what was considered the norm? And honestly, nowadays, the norm isn't every every child has a mother and father. That's not the norm now. So I think we need to recognize that um, people need to be allies. You know, we need people who are not part of our community defending it. I get exhausted always being the voice of the gays. You know, I'm I'm certainly near Toronto. I'm about 25 minutes outside Toronto uh, where I live and um you know, but every time a situation will pop up around gay, I'm the one that gets the phone call. You know, so it's like um and I'm talking about my role more within the school board because people don't feel safe to be out of the school board. Um there's a history of homophobia within this board and um if you speak up you know, the past has been that um, your career kind of is blocked, you know, like if you want to be. And I wasn't, you know, I'm a hypocrite to say I didn't fall into that. I mean, I, I wasn't really openly gay. I mean, I was to be serious, but I mean, I didn't actually say I was until I became a principal. Because now I'm here. There's really nothing you can do because I never knew. I didn't believe that people would say we're not hiring him because he's gay, but they would find another reason something I said during an interview, something or whatever. So I didn't say I was gay, but I didn't, I didn't pretend I was straight, but I just always sounded like a complete nutter because I would never talk about my partner, Doug. I would just say, they came over. We went there to a point where people like, okay, how many people were over at your house last night? Like, it's always plural. Like you never, I would hide using a pronoun because I didn't want people to know. Now really close friends knew that I trusted, but I didn't talk about, um I didn't talk about other you know, I didn't talk about him specifically. And then once I came out, you know, things changed. And the reason that I did come out was a horrific homophobic event where, um, about 15 years ago, two, two, um, two women who identified as lesbians were beaten on the property of a school. It had nothing to do with the school itself. They were parents that their child went to that school and uh, a man just pounded them. So I went to, I was an officer at the board at the time, and I went to the then uh, the then director and said, like, you know, we have to get ahead of this because the LGBTQ community is going to destroy the board. Because, like, they're saying the schools are unsafe, and this is what, you know, they're talking about. And he was kind of like, well, how would you know what the gay community is saying? And I'm like, oh, sit down, dear. You know, so then I'm like, you know, so I said, and, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, when he went and told people, there was like, you know, $20 being slipped under the table saying, told you. Like, I'm not, so I'm not pretending people didn't know. But then, so when we did some training of admin to talk about homophobia, I kind of came out with, you know, fireworks at a director's meeting. So I came out in front of every administrator in the board um, all at one time. So it was horrifying to me. And, uh but I do think it was the right thing to do because from that point on, at least conversations opened. Because now when I'm on all these committees, you know, I'm, I'm the, the pink elephant, literally, in the room. So it's like, if you're not going to include gay, I'm going to go, excuse me, what about me? Like, where's where's the voice for this community? Where's the voice for this? So I think it's just, um, we need people that are out there. Yeah, so I and
1: I, I, think, I think there's a um, to your most recent point, there's a lot of onus on, um, like, the LGBTQ community or the queer community to advocate for ourselves and i think that's a lot of work because we're already trying to figure out who the heck we are on top of you know navigating these spaces and navigating you know very prominently cis straight spaces um so yeah i i thank you so much for sharing like that was a very amazing story like i appreciate it whenever people share their backgrounds of like kind of how they came out especially folks who are later on in their life because i find as yeah (laughs) as difficult as it is for people to uh come out when they're kids i find honestly it's it's probably even harder when you're older especially already in your career in your workplace because you're experiencing a total different field of discrimination there so i appreciate that well
2: yeah it's, it's, it's the hiding you know staff meetings and all that everybody else comes with their partner their spouse whatever and all that kind of stuff i never did i usually didn't go and then you're tagged as being you know arrogant or standoffish and i'm like well no, it's just I don't need the discussion to be about us. You know, oh, look, he is. You know, that's what his husband looks like. That's what I'm just like. Okay. You know, there are things that straight people just don't ever have to go through. Or, you know, if uh, as an educator, if um, of a heterosexual man, his wife shows up at school because he forgot his lunch bag or something like that and hands it to him, gives him a peck on the cheek and walks away. Everybody will go, no. If my husband, who is six foot two, you know, walks in and all this kind of stuff and gave me a kiss, I don't know that that would be the reaction, you know, because all of a sudden everything would be, so it's, it's you know, it's just, yeah, I'm I'm secure, you know, like, you know, like we own our house, I've got a job, you know, my, everything is going really well for me, but they're still always in the back of your mind because what I find now, it's not that I'm afraid of the homophobia, it's my son gets it because they're like, oh, you're the one with the gay dads. You know, to, to a point where my son's vice principal, actually, a couple years ago, um, my son was and my, my son was lucky like at fault. I'm not saying he was innocent in this. He did something where he was he ended up being called fag on the schoolyard. So he went and told the vice principal, look, these guys are, are doing this to me and all this kind of stuff. The vice principal walked over to the students and just said, you know what? Really not an appropriate thing to say, especially to him. You know, he has gay dads. So they basically basically just put a big target on him. So it was worse for him after that. Yeah. No, it's, 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 there's things like that, that people don't even think about. Do I think that the, the vice principal intentionally set him up? No, but being a middle-aged straight dude, he didn't even think about the ramifications of what outing our son for having gay dads did to his social standing within an elementary school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, Another point I just want to bring up because I always find, especially myself, like I grew up in a very rural neighborhood, a rural community in general, because Tro is, <laughs> I mean, it's the center of kind of Nova Scotia, but there's, there's not much yep. here. Um, but uh, for you and your experiences being 25 minutes outside of, I believe the biggest city in Canada, um to have these experiences because there's so many folks who who say the comments like oh like these sorts of things like gay people only exist in the city and like everything's better in the city kind of thing but that's totally not the case like discrimination exists everywhere like yes there might be less out people to be in rural communities but it's not because they're actually not queer or lgbtq it's because they're scared
2: but 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 it's even, like, I think back to, it was, like, about 30 years ago that I moved here. And part of it was I was thrilled, actually, because I come from northern Manitoba, which is, like, you know, even smaller than where you're from. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so there was nothing. I think, that like, the guy was the gay one. And um, so coming here, I thought, wow, you know, Toronto, there's going to be this huge community. And there there was and there is. But what it looks like now, just because of, like, the, the gentrification of the gay area within Toronto, like, there used to be so much on Church Street. Well, now the majority of the like the the gay organization I don't just mean bars, but like there were so many stores that were gay owned that you could buy really cool shirts and cards and things like that. They don't exist anymore because, you know, it's more accepting to be gay, but not for everybody. And mm-hmm. depending upon where you are and your levels of privilege. You're not, like with me being, you know, like a middle-aged, um, you know, gay, white, well-educated dude. I've got the financial resources, the ability, you know, cars, all that kind of stuff. I can get around to them. But when you look at some of the, you know, when you look at EGAL or any of those surveys of how many kids are kicked out and are living on the street and doing all that kind of stuff, like there's not the community for them on Church Street anymore because everything is so spread out. There's just, there's nothing anymore, not in that capacity, like it's, it's not the image, like what people think that Toronto or Vancouver used to be like for gay, it's completely different now.
1: Yeah, do you, and this even ties back to your, um, you know, you being a principal, but have you found there's been like a significant change within like the kind of pandemic with that, like regarding acceptance, regarding safe spaces in those kind of more populated areas?
2: It's, it's, it's gotten absolutely horrific with the pandemic based on the fact, like, um, there's no messaging from school boards or anything. Like when you think about, um, GSAs and gay straight alliances at our school, we call it the all gender sexuality alliance to, to bring in trans identities and everything too. But many people call it gay straight alliances, which leaves out the whole, you know, trans or gender experience. So we've added that here, but oftentimes, like I said initially, School is the only safe place that kids could be. I mean, I've had, I've had kids in my, in my school and I, and I I currently have an individual who I'm not going to use the names they use in case somebody hears this, but a student who shows up here during the day for us, we call them Bill. When they go home, they're Jennifer. Now, those are not the names, but they're, they're safe here with who they are. And I've had to sit down with that individual and just say, okay, report cards. If I put your chosen name on the report card, what are mom and dad going to say? And then they kind of look at me and they're like, oh, uh, so look, I'll cut this deal with you now. I will always call you. And I forget the name I said, the bill, whatever the name was I said. Um, I'll always call you Bill. Teachers will call you Bill. That's how we will always use on forms here at the school. But anything that goes home to parents, I'm going to use Jennifer. That's not because I think that you're not Bill. That's because I'm protecting you when you get home. When you're willing to have that conversation with your parents, I'm right beside you. But, you know, and, and they appreciated that. And so we do that. But I can't imagine what that's like in a person's brain, you know, or like just to know you're here. But I and I'm respected that way at school. But as soon as anything comes home from school, and that's the difficulty now, because now at school, we're all online. Like here in Ontario, we were just told again that we were closed for another three weeks. So we're still doing online for another three weeks. Well, when that individual signs on their name given at birth shows up because if mom or dad comes behind the screen and they see bill, not Jennifer, there's a discussion. So it's all of these things that again, straight people don't even think about that. These kinds of things are constantly hitting them. How important the all, uh, the, uh, the, the all gender sexuality allow- alliances were to those kids because for those periods of time in school, they could get together and they didn't talk because everybody seems to think that, ooh, when they get together, we talk about gay things. I don't, I don't even know what gay thing is, but, but they don't. They get together and they talk about anything. They're talking about gaming. They're talking about like what TV show they like or don't like because during that time, they don't have to hide who they are. They are just who they are and they're talking with other people who really don't care about their identity or at least respect their identity or their sexual orientation. And during the school closure, we have many kids that are in their home with homophobic or transphobic people who don't accept who they are and they have no escape because we're also in a lockdown order right now in Ontario where we're not even supposed to be leaving our houses. So if you could, and maybe you could, I don't know what your family situation was like, but I can't imagine what it would be like to have to be at home where you can't be yourself at any point of the day. I mean, I want to believe that they can at least think, okay, I'm going to have to get through the weekend, but on Monday I'm bill again, or on Monday I can, you know, I can go and sit down beside my girlfriend even though I identify as female and nobody, you know, and mom and dad don't have to know or mom and or just dad or whatever. None of that has to happen. But now during, since March, like it's almost been a full year now Some kids are basically in homes that I'm sure their parents love them, but they love who they think their child is, not who their child truly is, because they're not open to that discussion. So the pandemic has been horrific.
1: Yeah, I like that comment there that they love who they think that their kid is because that's it's so true like I'm a trans person myself and I like I'm very very fortunate that my my entire family was super accepting when I did came, come out and they were just kind of like oh yeah we knew like there's no you know guessing there um but I know so many people like especially like trans kids I've done a lot of work in the past um going into schools and just being like hey I'm a trans person this is what I look like this is what I like like basic things about myself just so that kids start to associate like, oh, trans people exist here yep. and trans there's, there are trans people in the world. They're not just looking at a computer screen every day, but it's really hard to get that right now because the only way for us to communicate and to have those safe spaces is online. And exactly as you said, like if Bill goes by Bill and wants to go by Bill, but maybe their family doesn't know they go by Bill, like how do they navigate, navigate those spaces? They can't have those safe spaces. So we're really missing out on no. that.
2: And they can't even have open conversations. PFLAG will do like an evening session for youth. And I'll see that certain kids aren't coming on. And so, you know, you reach out to them and you're going like, well, why aren't you coming on? And they're like, you know, Bedford, you don't get it. And I'm like, I don't get what? And they're like, I can't meet with a whole bunch of gay people at home because my dad could walk by the computer at any time. So I have to turn the camera off and turn my mic off. I can listen to you guys. But as soon as my dad walks by, I have to flip screens and look like I'm playing Minecraft. Mm -hmm. I can't really participate because yeah, it's fantastic that you guys organize this so I can listen to others. I can't speak up. I can't show my face. I can't be known because if my dad sees, it's not going to be pretty. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So it's. It's there's just so many things that um that kids, you know, now you I think is it better than it was when I was in, you know, growing up in the seventies? Yeah, it's it's incredible. There was nothing when I was there. There's a lot more now, but it's it's certainly not perfect. I mean, we live in a society that is absolutely riddled with homophobia and transphobia. I mean, it's 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 you know, you can have pockets of accepting people, but you certainly don't have communities of accepting people.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely.
2: No, I, I'm just thinking about like, you know, from the school aspect, how important it is for, for families, for, um, for kids to stand up for themselves within schools because, um, you know, if the law is under the human rights code when an individual says they are a gender other than what they were identified with at birth, they are. That's, it's not, you don't need parents permission for that if um, anything like that human rights doesn't start at 18 human rights start at birth it's kind of thing so um, teachers need to appreciate and be open to those discussions without going oh I have to call your mom if you want that as a name I have to call your dad or whoever whoever their guardian is that's not the way it works Um, they have to be aware about the fact that Policies on paper mean absolutely nothing. I hear all the time um, from other school boards or things when I'm speaking, oh, like, look at our policy. And I'm like, that's great. What does it say? And what does it mean? How have you actually enforced it? Because policies aren't worth the paper they're printed on if they aren't actually enforced. So, so many school boards will say, oh, yes, well, we have the equity and inclusive education policy, but they still don't have a GSA. They say that they have a policy, but... You know, um, racial epithets um, will be addressed and disciplined as they should be. But call somebody something related to their gender or sexual orientation, and yeah, boys will be boys. They didn't mean it that way. You know, there's things like that. There's these double standards about how guys should just, you know, and I, I hate this term, but it's just man up. You know, big deal. If somebody says you, that just roll on, like they didn't. You know, you know better. And school for some kids is hell. And ed- educators wonder, you know, why? I mean, we have within our board, we have um, it's kind of an alternative school. But when you look at the population of that school, predominantly racialized, indigenous, gay and trans. So it's not that we're because we have to either go one way. We either have to say that all of us who identify under that need extra help. And we're really not that smart which I disagree with, or we've been pushed out of the system. The system failed us. And I think it's fantastic when boards have programs to build them up. But why is it the people that are marginalized, you know, we come out of the closet to be put in our own school instead of how would the people who are bullying and who are making our lives hell, how would they're put into a small class placement? Not those of us who are just trying to get through the day, who want to see ourselves represented within books, who want, You know, families, you know, like for for me as a gay dad, I would just be so thrilled if I didn't have to every year fight my kids school about gay, you know, being disrespected about homophobic practices. I mean, you know, like we've had our we've had our kids school, you know, at Christmas, they were going to do a fundraiser for blatantly homophobic organization. And I'm like, why do I have to keep bringing this up? Why do I have to keep saying this? You know, it's 2021 now. Like, people know that this organization is homophobic, but yet, oh, well. You know, and then when we raise it as an issue, you know, what you hear from the school is, man, those gay dads are high maintenance. Well, I guess we should just continue to take homophobia. And I'm just at a point now where I'm old, I'm crotchety, and I'm not going to. So I think if my actions from where I am privilege wise can make things better for kids coming up after me, I will continue to fight this every step of the way, because I wish there had been somebody 35 or 40 years ago that did it for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's key. And um, to your point before, too, there's a huge divide between I know, especially within Halifax here, um, a lot of the private schools, of course, there's like crazy religious private schools. I'm exempting those from this, but a more. Accepting schools are usually the private ones, so there's usually a huge socioeconomic barrier, too, yep. with, with youth who might be, you know, a, a member of a marginalized community that want to be in an accepting environment, but then their parents have to kind of pay the price for being in an inclusive space and having to put them, pull them from public schools, put them into private schools. Well,
2: no, but that's exactly, I you mean, know, if you, you know, if you're in a privileged position and you can fight the school or those private schools are going to be as supportive as the families want them to be because they need their money. Exactly. Public schools don't need money. So what oftentimes happens within public schools is they're going to go, okay, this one family who we know is gay is going to fight us on this. Let's weigh the odds. I can deal with fighting them. Or if we really do this equitably, there might be nine families that are homophobic are going to fight us. Which side do I want to fall on? So I've just found oftentimes they just fall on the side of being homophobic. Not that I think the admin is necessarily homophobic, but their practices are.
1: And I think kind of as we've seen historically, and I'm not try- going to try and get too political here, but a lot of folks who are along the side of being more conservative are significantly more vocal about not liking something than individuals who are more diverse because we've been so used to being marginalized. We've been so used to being Quiet it down that we're like okay we can just take it and tolerate it and keep going but those folks so help my god the one time that they're marginalized or no there's no one agreeing with them you know blow the roof off the building
2: yeah but even can we take it i don't know that we necessarily i think those of us who survive took it but if we want to look at suicide rates or anything i mean especially amongst the trans community i mean they they can't, i mean i'm saying they not because i'm not because i'm not trans yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, Individuals who are, are trans and have it even worse when we look at suicide rates or things like that. I mean, again, my my growing up had wasn't easy, but I am not going to compare myself to the expect to the experience of some people's identity in any capacity. And yeah, I made it through, but not without cost.
1: Yeah there's still collateral and I, I don't in any shape or form want to consider people committing suicide as collateral, but there's always a negative consequence for people not standing up for themselves. Because if you exactly to your point before, if you don't do it, then what's your child going to have to experience or what's your friend that might come out going to have experience or like the generations to come. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just struggle oftentimes with people, you know, because then when they do, they come up with these mental health, you know, plans or whatever, you know, because gay people need, I'm like, no, The fact that gay people have mental health concerns isn't because they're gay. It's because how they're treated by straight people, Mm -hmm. you know, that we need to actually appreciate the fact that, you know, if if straight people had to go through what you or I go through on a daily basis, I don't know how many could necessarily make it through. You know, because it's something that they don't even have to look at. It's like they go through life with blinders. I mean, no different than mm-hmm. me being a white dude from northern Manitoba. Race issues were nothing. I mean, I could go through like I was everywhere I've been. I'm a, I've been a white dude. You know, our son is biracial, and it was more like when we adopted him. All of a sudden, you know, we would get those questions on, oh, where did you get him? Like, what do you where did we get him? Like, you, they they make it sound as though we picked him out to match our IKEA sofa or something like that. But because he wasn't, we had one person say to us. At one point, oh, you know, did a, did a straight couple not want him? And like, what do you mean? They said, well, gay family got him. Does he have a, something wrong with them? And like, so you think there's tears to adoption that they, it's, it's just constant, these things that you go through. And then schools will wonder why you kind of go in with a bit of an attitude because you're like, you know, like I'm, I'm 53 years old. Like I've dealt with this for 53 years and all this kind of stuff so i'm sorry it's 2021 schools should know better and they will know better i mean if you have my kid in your school i'm going to be on you and the fact that i've been an education officer for equity i've written ministry documents the fact that i know my stuff i'm not going to apologize for that i expect you to be inclusive and if you aren't i will call you out without question and i think that. That's what families need to do. Families need to know their rights. They need to stick up for their kids and not worry about consequences. If there are consequences given at a school, reach out to local chapters of PFLAG. Reach out to advocates to support you. I've gone in with many families and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, when a a principal or somebody says, well, that's not how it works here. And I'm like, that's because you're choosing to not have it work here. Here's what the Education Act says, you know, and they hate the fact that I do that. I'm sorry, somebody's got to start sticking up for those people who have historically not had a voice and if those of us who have the privilege and the power to do it don't nothing's going to change.
1: And just a quick question here too what's I guess something on kind of a principle or like higher level that you do personally that you find has the most impact on your teaching staff underneath you that helps with us like helps inclusivity?
2: They know I've got their back So they know that if they, if, when they take out a book that has gay characters, when they bring in, they want to bring in a guest speaker who happens to identify as trans, they're like, no problem. And initially I think when I said invite me, they were like, oh lord. He wants to be like, no, no, no. It's not because I'm evaluating or knowing, it's if a parent calls in and they have a problem, I can say, what was your problem? I saw the whole thing. Then all of a sudden they're, what's the issue? Um, I also bring in people that happen to be trans or something, but they don't come in talking about trans. They happen to be trans, but they come in talking about their job. So when we do job fairs or things like that, you know, when you become a teacher, I'll bring you in and, and you'll be talking about teaching. If you choose to tell people you're trans, you knock yourself out. I'm not going to, not my story to tell. But you might say it or somebody might ask you something at which point you do, and then they're like, Wow, you know trans people could be teachers. Did you know so it's it's more around those things? I use my resources. I use money that I have. I make sure that within the school library that I have, because trust me, my kids library didn't have it. There are books that have positive trans role models, that have positive gay, lesbian, um, asexual, you know, everything like that. But it's not story of the week. They just happen to be in the books. We intentionally buy. We support. So when we buy Um, books. We do book clubs all the time here at my school. I intentionally buy through a smaller gay owned business because Amazon and chapters don't need my money Um, to do those kinds of things. So you're actually supporting, um, you know, marginalized communities. When we bought, when we were buying um, books around the black community, we bought from black owned bookstores. So you're supporting that. I think you have to put your money where it is. We produce huge resources here. We have like, you know, five foot posters all over saying, you know, at the name of my school, um, you know, you are supported regardless of your gender identity, your gender expression, your sexual orientation, your racial identity. So when families and kids walk in, they're like, okay, we have information up around LGBTQ all year, not just in June. You know, they see it all of the time. Um, I'm open about my husband, I'm open about my child. So kids just see that it's okay, this is normal, like, like people can be that way. I mean, He is the principal is okay with this. I speak at the GSA meetings and things like that. I mean, I think there has to be, you know, when teachers know that you have their back around those things, then they're willing to step out because I know as a teacher, some of my administrators would not have had my back if I came out being gay because they would have said, well, why did you have to tell them? Why do they need to know what goes on in your bedroom? Because that's all gay people do apparently. You know, but like that's the theory, so I mean, I think just by walking the talk of inclusion, it just makes you know i've I've had families say like how they're, and it's not because of me, it's because it's not Barry Bedford thing, it's because of a gay guy, and I would put in this place it would be the same if it was a lesbian or an openly trans person or anything where their kids who are gay came home and say, "I finally feel safe at school." you know, gay teachers have told me okay, this is a relief because now it's not always, not everybody comes to me. You know, every time something in a staff meeting was around gay, everybody looks at them. Well, now I'm the one saying it, you know? So there's things like that. I, I just think you have to have teachers' backs.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And um the fact that a lot of cis straight people don't realize that, Like for instance, I'm trans. I work within like science communications and communications in general. A lot of people don't realize that queer and LGBTQ plus people have jobs and they have lives outside of being queer or LGBTQ and, um, To your point before, like the fact that um, you're bringing in people organically because of their skill sets or because of the information that they bring. In addition to the fact that they are also trans or LGBTQ, gay, what have you. I think that is so important because so often we put, I just think of it it, most importantly in like media. Whenever there's a trans character or gay character, that is their only personality. That is all that they're encompassed about. And we need so much more representation globally of individuals who are just carpenters and are also lesbian or plumbers and are also gay yeah. those sorts of things
2: i think media half the time when on a tv show or something it's a trans character or, or you know maybe it was laverne cox but it was like cis person pretending or acting as a trans person or if it's a gay person they just pick you know a straight person who acts gay you know mm-hmm. so it's not even real but i mean i think again as a school leader I'm the one with the, the, the purse string, so to speak. So if we're bringing in guest speakers, yeah, I want them to be able to represent this, but I can actively seek out somebody who is of a diverse community who brings that just so kids can sit in there and go, oh. And also, quite frankly, so teachers can go, oh, you know, because it's amazing, you know, like even when you are openly gay or for yourself being openly trans, when something comes up, I often find that people will go, oh, it's a gay question. Take it over. I'm like, what was the question? Well, they just wanted to know who they could do a research project on. And I'm like, so you don't know anybody gay. Like, you don't know how to look that up on Google. You couldn't have done that. You know, even trying to stop that, that I speak for all gays or, or anything like that, just to have people... um And, you know, the the thing around, you know, staff and school boards that do like, you know, ally week and all of that kind of stuff, but only do it for the PR. You know, like, I mean, like you don't decide you're an ally to a community. The community decides if you're an ally. Ally is a verb. It's not a noun. You know, like you have to do something. And I think that's where I've called people to task quite often, where, you know, something against something within the 2SLGBTQ community happens. And they look at me like, are you going to say something? And I'm like, well, you heard it. Speak up. Why? You know, because I think it's even more powerful. Like if I speak up about something around, um, you know, trans identity or something and you and I are in the room, it's more powerful because people will go, why are you? I'm, I'm saying something because it's the right thing to do. I don't necessarily have a vested interest being like being cisgender. I have an interest, but I mean, it's like it's not my identity. You know, and I think that's what's so powerful, too. Like when I do PD on LGBTQ issues, I try to have somebody who's straight. As well, often brings the fashion level down. But anyway, um, you know, have somebody straight with me. So when there's questions, it's not always me on a soapbox, because I think those people who are kind of on the cusp of, OK, am I going to buy what this guy says? If a straight guy says it. Some people hear that better, even though I have an authentic voice. So I think that's what's so important, too. It's like, you know, who we surround ourselves with, um, you know, as a, I can also look in when I'm hiring. Teachers, you know, things like that, like, you know, when you get your teaching degree, look me up, you know, because it's like I'm the one that does the hiring. And I'm not saying for a second for all of those homophobes out there that anybody gay that applies to me or anybody trans that applies to me or lesbian gets the job. But you know what? They'll likely get the interview. And, you know, they're going to bring a dynamic to the school. They're going to bring a dynamic to any kind of a business that having everybody heterosexual won't. You know, it's just an added voice. I mean, I think it's always so important. You know, people don't question hiring men in primary because we so rarely get them. That's looked upon. But when I hire a gay guy, they're like, oh, that's why he got hired. And I'm like, no, that's not why. You know, there's just so many aspects to what an administrator can do, you know, to intentionally hire people that represent your community, you know, to hire people who are black because I'm not, to hire people who are South Asian because I'm not. You know, but the kids in the building that I'm charged with, they see themselves. They see themselves represented in staff. They see themselves represented in materials. There's authentic voices and they bring things. I mean, you will perceive things completely different than I will. Um, some things, I mean, some things we'll, we'll agree on, but I mean, I don't have your lived experience. I haven't seen life, like seen life as a trans individual. I don't know what that's, what that's like.
1: I think one of the biggest things too, it's your point before the fact that we need to have, and this doesn't just mean within education systems. I think anyone that works with the general public, your organization should always represent the people that you serve. And that if you have a team of people and they're only white cis men and you're the people you're serving, maybe are women people of color, trans individuals, gay people, and you don't have any of that representation on your team, then I think you're, you're failing your community,
2: to be quite honest. And again, I think that through some of the days that schools and businesses, like, you know, mark and celebrate, I mean, it it always seems to be that the the 2SLGBTQ experience is looked upon through some deficit model. You know, as though we've had it so hard, and these poor people pulled them up by their very fashionable shoe bootstraps, kind of thing. And we made it through. We're like, well, you know what? No, necessarily. Let's talk about some of the, the great things about being gay or being trans are, and let's talk about some of like the incredible work that people out there have done. Like, let's talk about that. It's not always just market through the number of people who may identify with us that take their own lives. Let's not always talk about, you know, that one individual that got in trouble for doing something and they happen to share our identity. You know, there's so much garbage around the, the sexualization of the 2 LGBTQ community when that is such a small part of, of, of who most of us are. I mean that's you know i don't wear that you know i I come to school you know i've got three university degrees you know married we've had troubles in our relationship kind of gone through that i've been with the same dude for lord 27 years and um you know going through troubles of raising a a son who is more attitude than flesh you know like we go through all of that but when people say that you're gay and you're an administrator oh so what's that like in the school okay I just told you I've got the same experiences coming into this as anybody else. I've got the same education, if not more, you know, same experiences and all those kinds of stuff. I just happen to be in love with a man. That's the only thing that's different about me. But yet people spin it into so much. Yeah. You know, it's it's frustrating.
1: Yeah. And that's all a lot of folks want to focus on because that's kind of the taboo thing that they're like, oh, well, I'm friends with like a gay person or a trans person or what have you. And it's that's like, I find it so often, especially with larger organizations, like the performative activism that we see, especially nowadays, because everyone wants wants to jump on the, I'm supportive of this community. And we, I, I find we see it most importantly within the BIPOC community. Um, but individuals like, oh, look at this person who's black or gay or trans or whatever. Ever. We have oh, them on our team. So that means that we're inclusive. But I'm like,
2: oh, <laughs> that's <absolutely>. all talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like on pink shirt day or something. Everybody wants their shirt taken with a real live one. You know what I mean? But I mean, but if it comes down to a problem, they walk away. You know, yeah. they, so often so many people that would claim to be an ally because of their position. So many people in school boards or school board position that say we support all. Have nothing in their board plan, have nothing in their school plan that talks about 2SLGBTQ. They don't encourage GSAs. They don't talk about GSAs. They don't provide monies to schools specific to projects supporting the community. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's why I joined PFLAG. Um, I've been, I've been part of PFLAG years ago and just through my son was younger and just from the position that I had, I was gone away a lot, um, doing, like doing workshops and conferences and presenting. So I wasn't around enough. So I kind of dropped off. And then when I left the position um, that I had previously, because of homophobia, I thought, I can't take this anymore. I'm out. I came back to being a principal again. I joined PFLAG because as soon as I left the position I was in, all support of LGBTQ stopped. So it was obvious the only reason it was happening was I was there. And again, it's not because of Barry Bedford. It's because I had an identity that I knew wasn't supported. I made sure it happened. And during that time, whenever there was grief or heat that came about it, I got that and I fought it, you know, and, and you know, like I have to say, like, you know, where I worked was, was supportive of me. Um, you know, but when push came to shove, it was like, and they really had to take a stand. They walked away. So it's, you know, you kind of do. So that's I joined PFLAG again so that there would be support within the community that I live for those kids that I know are struggling. And when you look at all of the data that's coming out from different places around the 2SLGBTQ and what it's been like um, during COVID, what it's like in schools, the GAL surveys that happen across Canada, all of the data is there. And yet for most school divisions, you hear silence.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so easy for folks just to turn a blind eye or to, when you said before, like the blinders, I find that's yeah. the most accurate, like, representation of what people do because they just keep walking and they don't, they're like, hey, they're going to deal with it. If it's an issue, the, you know, gay community will come together and, you know, yeah. deal with it. But. We it's so, there's such an important part of community that involves allies and people don't take it upon themselves to be like, okay, I'm going to be an actual ally. I'm not just going to be performative. I'm going to actually engage in this community and I'm going to actively support them and fight for them because those are the allies that we need. And that, those are the allies that every underrepresented
2: community oh, oh, needs. There has to be action. It, it still surprises me. Like I've had people come up to me and go, "Oh, I you, I was like a supply teacher will say, oh, I was over at this school. And when I was in the staff room, there was this horrific, you know, trans joke told. And I'm like, oh, that's awful. You know, how did it play out? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I was so disgusted. I turned and walked out. And I'm like, Oh, you hero. Like, what, What? so you did nothing is what you're telling me. You actually sought out the gay guy to tell him you did nothing and what you want, like, a gay cookie now? You did nothing.
1: And the thing is, is that when you do something like that, when you, like, I hear comments like that all the time. Like, oh, this person, like, said something really transphobic or whatever. And I was like, what did you do? And they're like, oh, I just walked away. It's so gross. I was like, but they're just bystanding to that. Like that person doesn't stop doing that once you leave the room. Like I can guarantee they probably kept going (laughs) and they don't learn anything from that if you leave and you don't take a stand and it takes, you know, not every single person is a good advocate. Absolutely. You know, you need to have the mental health, you need to have the ability to do it. But I think for the individuals who you know, claim to be as good as an advocate and claim to be as good as an ally that they are, I think we should really have more people standing up, more cis straight people.
2: (laughs) Especially people who are in positions that are paid very well and have people with those identities that they are being paid to support. Their silence is, in fact, equaling death and dropouts and everything Mm -hmm. else, and they turn and walk away. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a huge thing. It's
1: crazy. Things are yep. definitely changing, though, and I'm hoping they're yep. changing for the better. And I'm very thankful for people like yourself who are in positions of authority, who, you know, even though, yes, you are gay and you have that ex- lived experience, um, that you're able to kind of paint the ways for other individuals who might not be gay, but are more accepting because I think, you know, we need more people like you.
2: Thank you. I hope so.
0: Well, that's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hey Sis
1: you have any questions you want to ask or want to join in on the conversation, email us at connect at simplygoodforum.com.
0: Thank you all. And remember, inclusion matters.